Hello, and again, welcome to BitDev. I'm Santiago Armones. Across from me is... Dylan Walling. Uh, how do we know each other? <laughs> how do we know each other? Well, we both worked at School of Rock for a little bit in yeah. Oklahoma City. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I still work there, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we had also met one time at a like networking event at yeah. the root that's right rest in peace yeah 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 that's uh, right. <laughs> um yeah but i nearly forgot about that yeah i have root was a good place it was a cool place had it like not had all of the other problems but yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know too much about the behind the scenes stuff i mean mm-hmm. i i don't know maybe i know more than i let on but i <laughs> i not enough to make judgments right so. <laughs> there's a greater conversation about the oklahoma music scene that i'm sure we're gonna get into no matter what so <laughs> yeah um so who are you what do you do um i uh it's a hard question at this stage i would have just said oh i'm a piano player uh yeah. singer for Honeywa. Uh, we're no longer playing together uh but uh I still play piano. I still sing, but now I just kind of float around and do my own thing. So, um, I'm playing a little bit of bass, uh, for this band, the sweet talkers. Um, bass is not really my, my instrument so much. Mm. So it's been kind of, kind of a fun little challenge to help out with that project. And they're really cool guys. Um, and had at least two of them on the podcast. So (laughs) I'm guessing Adam, Adam and Dakota, yeah. And Dakota, okay. <laughs> we should get Tyler on here. He'd yes, be, he'd be fun I should get Tyler on here. I've been meaning to, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, yeah, they're fun. I've had a blast playing with them. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I'm sure at some point I will start playing more music around here again. But uh, I'm not in a hurry. So yeah, yeah. Um, how did you get started playing piano? Or in um, music in general. Yeah, piano is what I started with. Yeah, yeah. Um, my grandma was a piano, or is, but doesn't really play much anymore. But mm. she was, for a long time, very serious piano player. Mm. And uh, yeah, she just taught me ever since I can remember. And then uh, I don't know. I got the bug at some point and just <laughs> kept playing. And uh, I think. The only real branch that's worth that's kind of noteworthy is you know I was doing classical when I mm-hmm. was starting I was all classical music and then uh, in high school I guess I pivoted more towards rock music and a little bit of jazz here and there mm-hmm. and uh, much to my grandmother's dismay <laughs> I am no longer doing classical music so much so <laughs> right what what led to that transition I mean other than just like teenage angst and rebelliousness <laughs> that's probably the best explanation right, right. <laughs> honestly i don't know if i have a better one uh i don't know i guess that's just what i was listening to mm-hmm. you know i mean i still like classical music just fine but uh you know especially like impressionist uh music Satie and wc and ravel you know right. all those i've i still actually do will listen to for pleasure but other mm. than that i just you know i didn't really listen to it for pleasure so. right who were your biggest influences whenever you made that jump? Uh, Radiohead was a big one. 
uh, Sonic Youth was a big one. I was really into a lot of like the uh, 90s, uh, kind of like underground alternative stuff, mm-hmm. 80s too, Pixies. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think kind of your normal indie <laughs> hipster fair <laughs> for right, right. early to mid 2000s, which is when I was in high school. So. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've had more than a few conversations about Radiohead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so how did you go from, I mean, did you like join bands? Did you just play by yourself? And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Uh, so I was in a band, uh, in high school, uh, and, um, uh, luckily, I mean, uh, fate has it that one of our, uh, bandmates from that band later went on to be on American Idol and went up, like got like top six or something and has had a great career since then. His name's Casey Abrams. Um, and, uh, but when we, we played in a, a band for a little bit in high school and we were, we were called, uh, uh, three guys and one's a Jew. Uh, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> there were actually five of us by the time it all ended. That's so much better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Was there still only one Jew though? There was. Okay. Yeah, okay. Casey was our token Jew. So, <laughs> yeah. What, what genre of music did three guys and one Jew play? <laughs> uh, uh, we played crap. I don't know. <laughs> not very good music. Uh, right. I don't know. Our guitarist was really into uh, Mars Volta, and okay. I was really into Radiohead. Casey, I don't know. It's hard to say what he was into. He likes really eclectic out there music, like... Yeah, he he owns a sitar. If that's any, <laughs> sure, sure. You know, like he, so I don't know. It, we we were. I think it was proggy, but like mm. bad proggy because we're in high school and can barely play our instruments yeah, in, a, yeah. in a convincing manner. So <laughs> yeah. Um, where do you go from there? How do you go from like? I mean, I don't know if music was like just a hobby to you then, mm-hmm. and then it like became a real thing as you grew up and got out of high school mm. how, how did that become a, a real earth thing mm. i don't know i think i was really probably more ambitious as a teenager than i am even now like <laughs> well especially now but like yeah i i was i think that's what i wanted to do even then mm-hmm. i think uh you know the the uh kind of the narrative you build in your head of like being a rock star or like the path to rock stardom is much more clear and less icky (laughs) than it actually turns out to be right so i i think i was at that point like oh yeah i'm gonna be a rock star so yeah (laughs) what how is that i mean yeah how has that path sort of gotten muddier and ickier over time (laughs) What what stops people from just becoming a rock star right now? Rock is dead. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, I don't know. I think, I mean, I don't know the industry well enough to, like, say how much, 
you know, how much money is is really rotating around. But it's not much. It's obviously not much, mm-hmm. you know, and it's um, I think the music industry was in a really interesting spot in like 2010, a little bit before that, a little bit after that, uh, where a lot of power needed to be consolidated. And like, uh, you know, this was still at the height of uh, uh, like music uh, uh, file sharing and stuff like that. And I think uh, that was a, really exciting time to be in music and i think at that point in time you definitely was like you know it felt like the wild west you know um but now it just seems like and you know it always goes in peaks and valleys of you know the industry being really consolidated into just a bunch of like media giants and then it Mm -hmm. breaking apart when different trends come about that people don't expect or, or you know whatever it is but i think we're in kind of one of those periods of consolidation where it's just like there's just not a need it doesn't seem like for a whole lot of new sounds or and and i think that's always the truth until a new a really new exciting sound comes about you know so um yeah that's a long-winded answer right right that's (laughs) um i kind of asked this question i ask it a little bit later but since it's kind of relevant here uh what what does the future of music look like from this point to you what what are you hearing or what would you like to hear yeah coming from the pioneers well this could be a question that could get really really lengthy with an answer because that's the point of a podcast (laughs) right yeah true um well i guess i would say that i think that there is a very very interesting and this is not um true for just music it's true for like it just seems like kind of like cultural appetite in sure. general sure where there's this really really uh strong draw toward um uh nostalgia or kind mm-hmm. of like reinventing or retooling sounds that are already familiar Mm -hmm. and i think there's something to be said for that i mean i think i've you know i've heard it a lot growing up that oh you know it always goes in circles where Mm -hmm. one decade will be really um fixated on a previous decade you know but i'm kind of beginning to think this is getting into the territory of being a little unprecedented where yeah i even remember in the 2000s like in you know when i was like 15 16 where people were saying oh you know like uh 80s is popular now but you know come 10 years then it'll be the 90s and then come 10 years it'll be you know wrap yeah, back yeah, around yeah. to the present but it hasn't really played out that way and it still seems a lot like 70s 80s 90s nostalgia is just so inundated you know like listen to vaporwave and mm-hmm. it's like all of those just like try, trying to recapture nostalgic sounds yeah. you listen to lo-fi hip-hop and it's all of this <laughs> like really um that japanese girl will never will never stop studying <laughs> no she will never stop studying uh, bless her heart yeah, she's <laughs> in it for the long haul um but yeah i think that uh <laughs> that you know that music like that seems to suggest that uh 
we really are not looking towards what does the future sound in terms of new sounds, mm-hmm. but we're more like really invested in how to retool old sounds. So I guess I want us to go in one way or the or the other, like, <laughs> like either like just go hyper into like just combining and like um, like tool bashing mm-hmm. like these or kit bashing these uh, sounds together mm-hmm. or. You know, because, you know, like if you look at like the history of like funk or uh, other types of hmm. especially the 70s, you know, where all they just tons of genres are coming out, yeah, of, yeah. out of the woodwork. Like, but a lot, a lot of those genres were trying to like find a sound of the future, you yeah. know, trying to be the next sound. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where that's gone. I don't know where doesn't seem like that's a real thing that happens much anymore where people or groups because certain people, you know, certain people are going to be doing that, individuals. Yeah, yeah. But as a whole, I don't, I don't know of any genres that are like, oh, this is the future of music. Mm-hmm. So, um, is there anyone that you've heard lately that you've like been excited about? A lot of jazz folk I hear talking about Jacob Collier a lot, but yeah, <laughs> yeah Jacob Collier's pretty obviously a bright yeah. musician. I Jacob Collier. Uh, is for me a little bit more interesting to hear him talk about music than listen to his <laughs> actual music. To Not that it's bad or anything. I just I don't know. It's... He really likes that wiggle wiggle wiggle. <laughs> yeah. He like referenced it in like five songs. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He seems like like how you know people talked about Mozart, where he's just like, oh, this guy is a lunatic, just all over the place. But he's yeah. so so bright. I'm sure that's kind of a similar yeah, yeah. personality type. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I think he's pretty cool guy. Uh, pretty fascinating cool, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, musician but uh in terms of actual like in terms of music i listen to and actually think is mm, i really liked igor <laughs> <laughs> i uh, yeah, yeah. uh i really liked uh yeah tyler the creator's last album i thought that mm. was uh pretty forward thinking yeah yeah. <laughs> um all right since i like went out of order and oh yeah like, messed up the things um no worries how how did you get to teaching music mm. um well i didn't plan for it <laughs> uh I'm sure that's obvious to some of my students. I I worked a bunch of really crappy desk jobs uh, where I was just trying to be practical, I guess, and like didn't think that I, you know, could make ends meet with music. Mm-hmm. And then I just got burnt out on crappy desk jobs and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try and do music now. Mm-hmm. And, so yeah, uh, it was kind of just like a, uh, I don't know, just a wild hair, I guess. Right, right. Well, I mean, it, it turns out that like you can, you can make it work if you have the right tools at your disposal and stuff. So I mean, That's, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm, you know, I don't make as much as when I worked my crappy desk jobs, but I, I'm a lot happier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sure. So doing music every day yeah yeah <laughs> i mean it, it can get monotonous i'm not gonna lie it can definitely get to you know to be 
a job, but it's sure. at the end of the day, yeah, I'd much prefer teaching it over like health insurance. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, what is something that you find that you're always telling students that like, or, or that kind of brings that light bulb moment? Oh, um, I think the cool thing, and this is true, this is cool for School of Rock, especially like uh, that they're very uh, song oriented mm-hmm. uh, with their method. And that fits kind of like how I view uh, getting good at music, which is yeah, yeah. you really, you know, you your fundamentals are, are important, but you know, you can only drill so many things until you just like, I, what's the point of this, you know? So right. like the, when it's, you've got these songs, especially with these kids that like come in and they're like, Oh, I really want to play X or Y song. You know, mm-hmm. it's like when it becomes song oriented and you're, you're trying to, to make, get these kids to play these songs that they're passionate about. That's mm-hmm. when the light bulb comes on. Yeah, you know? It's like, Oh, okay. Now, not only can I talk about music in a mm-hmm. way that is not just uh, that makes sense to other musicians, I should say, but mm-hmm. but I am playing this song that is personally, you know, dear to me, or yeah, yeah. or I'm passionate about in some way, mm-hmm. and that's a really cool thing to. That's my favorite thing actually as a teacher is to see kids get to that point. Yeah, yeah. What what drove you whenever you were learning and getting better as a musician? to kind of get past that like hurdle of ah, music is hard and I don't know if I want to do this to like get to the point to where like, ah, this is everything. <laughs> yep. The final fantasy 10 theme song. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was step one. Uh, I got really obsessive about that song mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and learned it. And, uh, that was a big light bulb moment where it's like, Oh, I can like, I can do this. You know, mm-hmm. it's like everyone knows like, oh, you practice hard and long enough. Like, yeah, but, but not me, you right, know, right. <laughs> you know, but it's like, no, I can do this. And then I, you know, got really probably a little too big for my britches and like, okay, I'm going to do Pathetique by, by Beethoven. <laughs> that was my, <laughs> like jumping hurdles. That's, like just that's a fun one. <laughs> oh, it is. It's a great song, but I, uh, you know, but yeah, you, I do, I think, you know, I had to go back and trace my steps a lot because when you take big leaps like that, uh, you miss things. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, I do think there's a value in biting off more than you can handle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, where, where is the point with students where they are hitting a wall? Um, What's the most common wall that students hit mm. and kind of keeps them from getting any farther or even quitting? Um, I'd say there are two of them that I can think of that are pretty common. Uh, the first is when kids spend too much time learning songs through YouTube, mm. which I, I'm not completely against. You know, mm. like I think there can be some value in, you know, I good ear training uh, yeah yeah for sure yeah uh and it's, it tends to be the kids that are good with their ears that, mm-hmm. that gravitate towards that yeah um yeah they uh uh i think that um that becomes a problem when it just becomes 
you know, you when you start comparing with how quick it is to learn those songs compared mm-hmm. to learning it through notation, especially when kids are just at the stage with the staff that they, you know, have to really struggle note by note. And there's mm-hmm. not really that strong sense of intervals yet, or that strong sense of, of uh, rhythm, you know, yeah. where they can just kind of go. Um, I think that people that I think kids get really frustrated with, how slow the old fashioned way is, but yeah. then you get to the point where it's like, well, not every song is going to have a YouTube yeah. <laughs> tutorial, you know? <laughs> and it's, and when you start playing with other musicians, that's when it really gets rough because no one has the patience for, to like let a musician sit and learn a YouTube tutorial yeah. before they play a song. There's, no one's got the patience for that. So, <laughs> um, but I, you know, uh, so that's one. And then the second one is a different kind of student. Um, uh, I have found that uh, kind of my more uh, uh, that there's a type of student that will be motivated by you know like a routine or like a kind of a like okay we're we're progressing through the scales and I can mm-hmm. see that that is a progression but they don't have a thing that they're really going toward yeah and so what happens with a lot of students like that from my point of view is like they get to a certain point where it's like because the you get your foundations on piano Mm -hmm. and then it just branches you know and like it stops being so linear in terms of things that you learn in order you know it's like we, we you can start learning about modes or you can start learning about um you can start learning about chord relationships. You know, mm. you can start learning about the history of music. You, there's um, infinity paths that you can yeah. go now and it stops feeling like a ladder that they're climbing. And I think yeah. those students, if they don't latch onto a song or an objective or a goal, they start petering out. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, what is, I guess, getting into like more, here um how do you feel about oklahoma's music scene and how is that how has your experience been with it given that yeah we're here (laughs) yeah i mean uh uh there's not enough money in oklahoma right now uh in the music scene i think that's just completely obvious to everyone who's a musician here you know like musicians that tend to make it here tend to go other places and it's obvious why you know i mean you've got a handful of musicians that'll stick around uh obviously wayne coin and flaming lips Mm -hmm. um and then there's a handful of others but you know it that's a whole other tier that like yeah. doesn't even apply to the rest of us. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, everyone hopes to get there, but yeah, I mean, it's like you have to make ends meet until that point and mm. it's not really you can't I mean, I don't want to say you can't because people do, but it's very very hard to just play music and mm-hmm. support yourself that way. And that's true probably everywhere, but it's more true when it's like there are just such very tight uh, passageways that lead to uh, visibility and recognition. Mm. And um, where, you know, like 
there are upstarts in places like Los Angeles and Chicago. Like there are new um, record labels trying to get up and mm-hmm. and they have money behind them. You know, yeah. they've got investors, they got things like that. But people are you're, you're going to be pretty hard pressed to get people to invest in that kind of thing down here because there's not a really there's not a lot of history. I mean, that's the thing that's tough to say because there t- there's a ton of history yeah, for yeah. music in Oklahoma, but there's not that strong musical culture that there are in other cities, you know? Mm. Um, so I think that, um, I think that the, what has to be done for musicians is, I mean, a lot of what's already been being done, you know, where musicians go out to see other musicians and musicians support other musicians and, you know, you build a culture of musicians that becomes attractive to other mm-hmm. people. And one of the biggest things that I would say, if you're in a band and you're like talking shit about other bands backstage, yeah. which, you know, most bands are guilty of to some degree, <laughs> like just stop. Like, yeah, uh, it really is true that a victory for anyone coming out of Oklahoma is a victory for pretty much everyone in the music scene <laughs> yeah. because – if any good attention that's coming out of here is going to help build that narrative, you know, yeah. the narrative that there's cool music happening here. Mm. And instead it's just like we get in these petty, like dramatic, just spats that, yeah, where it's just like the music scene just kind of, uh, cannibalizes itself <laughs> yeah. for no gain whatsoever. Mm. And it's really irritating to see. I don't think people are seeing the bigger picture when they, uh, start getting really comparative with their own band compared to X or Y band from Norman or whatever. So, right. Yeah. Um, getting more to like you, mm-hmm. uh, you, you write your own music. Do mm-hmm. you write your own songs, sing your own songs? What do you write about? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm pretty political. (laughs) I write a lot about politics. Uh, uh, And just like, um, not, I I don't want to say, I don't, you know, not like a lot of, uh, uh, you know, because there's like, you could think of like System of a Down or whatever. And it's like, okay, BYOB is about the George Bush administration. I'm very, very rarely that pointed, you know. (laughs) Sure. But um, I am pretty socially minded and that uh, and so that's it uh, tends to affect my writing mm. but you know i still write about the same schmaltz as every other <laughs> as every i have love songs and breakup songs sure. and, and uh <laughs> songs about family songs about death you know mm. i got all I, I like to think that i there's not too many topics i'm just like no i'd never write about <laughs> right that. right um do you have a goal for yourself as a musician or as an artist i think for the first time in a long time not really Hmm. and it's kind of nice i think i've like i said like when i was in high school i was extremely ambitious you know uh and it's not to say i'm not ambitious i've got plenty of goals but more my my goals are more qualitative now than they are like yeah i want to make this much money or play in front of this many people it's (laughs) right more just like i want to be I want to make an album that I'm like, I will be stoked with for more than a month. <laughs> so, you know, sure. like that's yeah. kind of where my goals are at right now. Yeah. And I mean that even if it doesn't mean success, like career wise, at least you're happy with yourself. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and I think that also just sorry to no, keep rambling, good. but uh, I think also you get to the point where it's like, man, I don't know how many of my dream, how much of my vision of like what my dreams were, mm-hmm. were really just kind of like, like how much did I actually want that? You know, yeah, like, yeah. I, like yeah, after a while, it's like, man, I'm, I've been playing shows like twice, like two shows a week for a year now. And like, I, I am sick I'm tired of playing yeah, shows. Yeah. I'm sick and tired of being in front of people. It's like I'm an introvert. I like I did not yeah, know yeah. what I was signing up for. Right. With this. <laughs> so okay. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's a hurdle that you've gotten over in the past musically or the whatever that might mean? Hmm. Uh, and then what's a hurdle that you're still working on? I think a big hurdle was when we toured on Haniwa, uh, toured. Mm-hmm. That was a big lifetime long goal for me mm-hmm. to do that. And that was a super, super important milestone for yeah. me. And it was, you know, a really, really great memory. Um, and I'm really glad I got to do that. Uh, played some really cool places, mm-hmm. met some really cool people, learned a whole, whole lot through that experience and uh yeah it's uh that was a, a huge hurdle for me i'd i'd wanted to do that for a very yeah, long time yeah. <laughs> and then what's a hurdle what was the second uh, one that you're still working on working. um i think i want to try to help be a music uh i think i want to get to the point where i can help be an influencer in the music scene in Oklahoma in a mm. positive way. Yeah. I think that's my next pivot point where I was thinking about this the other day of just like how in the internet or in culture, mm-hmm. uh, the broader scale culture, you don't see as much like stark division between like genres anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously to some degree you do, but yeah, uh, you know, most people that listen to pop music will listen to hip hop. You know, most people that listen to hip hop also have, you know, other interests. And mm-hmm. like you listen to jazz music, jazz music that's yeah, coming yeah. out of like the Blue Note in New York and places like that. It's like uh, it doesn't sound anything like like bebop yeah, or, yeah. you know, it's like totally uh, fused with other genres, mm-hmm. you know. That's what I call it fusion. Yeah, fusion. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, um, uh, and so I think there's a whole lot of like genre bleeding right mm-hmm. now that's in the main culture sphere, the bigger culture sphere mm-hmm. that Oklahoma seems to kind of be behind on in some ways. Yeah. I just see like this super kind of like isolated, you know, hip hop scene that's doing really, you know, there's a lot of good hip hop oh, yeah. in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the indie stratosphere, which there's mm-hmm. almost no crossover. And yeah. it's like, that just seems bizarre and wrong yeah. to me, you know? Like, um, so I think I would like to see uh, more like shows that have integrated mm-hmm. uh, genres and also just like more collaboration, you yeah. know, where you see uh, just like, hopefully to a point where there can be kind of like uh where singer songwriters will join someone for a show or something mm. like that. You And like 
Uh, I think that's another thing that's a tangent completely different. I'm not going to get too far into it, but (laughs) it would be really cool to see for those who are not in a band band Mm -hmm. to see uh, shows where people are like bringing other songwriters into just for one show, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, just for one thing, like where that show kind of becomes its own little special thing, you know? Because yeah. I think so much of shows right now, there's like, well, I can catch this band next time, you know? But yeah. like, if you have like, oh, we're playing with this band together and we're, yeah, bo- we're yeah. both playing and we're, and it's going to be this thing that if you miss it, that's it, you know? Mm-hmm. I think people would dig that. I would dig that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, And then more of the like broader... Well, actually, no. One, one last one on, uh, what's something people don't understand about music? Uh, literally everything. I don't uh, or, or about doing music. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, no, no one knows what they're doing. It's literally all made up. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, the barrier of entry is pretty. Is pretty. Uh, pretty low uh, much lower than people think it is mm-hmm. um if you have an aspiration to like play music and you just are not because you're like oh i don't think i'd be any good at it like <laughs> yeah yeah i really should not be holding yeah, you yeah. back like there are people making lots of money who are yeah. not like supposedly great musicians by whatever standard you're holding yourself to absolutely yeah absolutely yeah i think there's a whole lot of like well, I, you know, I just don't know enough to do it. Like, <laughs> it should not be yeah, yeah. a barrier. No one knows what they're doing. So, yeah. Um, okay. Now for the broader philosophical questions about music, what is selling out? Is there such a thing in selling out? Uh, well, yeah, I think so. Uh, I am not. You know, I'm like the, what I think of selling out. I think of Modest Mouse. That's the first band that comes to my head. <laughs> really? Well, not because that I think they sold out. Uh, I mean, maybe the argument could be made, but sure. that's just what I remember people being mad about. You mm-hmm. know, like people are like, "Oh yeah, Modest Mouse isn't good anymore. They sold out." <laughs> this is ancient history. Like, I don't think Modest Mouse is even really listened to. Like, I, don't, I mean, I know that they've had like a couple of new song releases here and there. But I don't think people are. Strangers to Ourselves came out like four or five years ago. Yeah, that was their it's last been a album, <laughs> and that one was not I, my favorite. I really enjoyed it. So yeah, eh. uh, you know, different strokes. Sure, um, sure. But uh, you know, I I don't have an opinion on whether or not they sold out. I don't know them well enough to know mm-hmm. that because i think what selling out is is you know you have a core set of values and you're like well this core set of values isn't as important yeah as uh you know making money you know or whatever mm-hmm. and it's like that core set of values uh you know a lot of bands don't have that starting out or it's a different core set of values and mm-hmm. in which case it's like do do i Am I mad about like uh, Twenty One Pilots or Imagine Dragons <laughs> being huge famous bands? Like, no, not at all. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. gonna say that those bands sold out or say like they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. Like, good for them. That's probably yeah. what they wanted to do. You know. Sure. Now, if a band, you know, 
I don't know if for whatever reason, like Black Flag became as big <laughs> as Imagine Dragons. I'd say, yeah, that's probably <laughs> somewhere along the line. Someone uh, made a compromise right, or right. two, you know, but that didn't happen. Yeah, so. I don't think I don't think that man is capable of <laughs> of doing that, like physically. No, uh, <laughs> no, I don't um, think so either. So I, I hope <laughs> I'm not. That was a hypothetical. Right, I want right. to be super clear about that. <laughs> um, do you separate art from the artist? Uh, I'm not a modernist, if that's kind of what that question's <laughs> alluding to. I don't super subscribe to the death of the artist, no. Mm. Uh, but I also, uh, you know, I mean... Uh, to give try to give the best clearest answer to a very <laughs> right. hard thing to answer um i think uh i think you know i can appreciate uh an album like uh my uh my dark twisted fantasy right, by right. kanye west just as much now as i could before kanye became a big asshole you know mm -hmm. or be a bigger asshole <laughs> right, more, right more visible asshole <laughs> <laughs> more gaping asshole sure. <laughs> um <laughs> but uh like can i separate his latest album i'm forgetting the name of it uh jesus is king jesus is king yeah, yeah. um can i separate that very easily from his public persona not very easily you know yeah. and it's like i feel to some degree it's like wasted effort to try and do it you know try to be like mm. okay i'm in this meditative zone where i'm only listening to the music <laughs> yeah, only yeah. taking it on its values you know i don't do that with anything else you mm. know it's like if i go to a burger king and there's like literal human shit on the floor i'm like i'm just gonna eat this burger i'm gonna take it only on its values right, right. you know like it's <laughs> i don't do that with anything else so i it's kind of one of those things I think music is as good as music feels it's good, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> um, why music? Why music? Yeah, why not? For me or for someone else? For you. For me? Oh, I don't know. It's just seems impossible not to at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, I Yeah, I don't think I... You know, you get head songs stuck in your head that just appear out of nowhere. And it's like, well, I got to write this down. Yeah. You know? It's like just kind of a spontaneous thing at this point. I I wouldn't be able to stop if I wanted to. But, you know, if I stop being ambitious about it, I guess it because it's a hard it, – it, it really is a hard thing to do professionally mm -hmm. for long periods of time. Yeah. Um. What's and not necessarily regarding music, what's something that people don't normally know about you? About me? Yeah. Like people that are I don't think well, I guess people that know me I that would have to be the, the target that you're talking right, about right. here. People that actually know. Okay. Um, um I'm pretty open book, honestly. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I uh don't have a whole lot of uh opinions i don't share <laughs> <laughs> right right <laughs> uh oh i guess one thing is that people pr probably not know about me is that uh uh i 
really, <laughs> I really, really love uh, the theater, and uh, it's cool. been a long time since I've uh, done anything with the theater. And so people that knew me from when I did stuff in theater will mm-hmm. know that I love it, but right. I don't think people know that I have had that in my yeah, past yeah. and that that's something I w- have been really passionate about. Yeah, yeah. So. Have you, like, kept up with the goings-on in theater world? No, not at all. I you wish I had. up with Hamilton and Dear yeah. Evan Hansen and all that? Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Wish I had. Those are the only, like, two things that I know, so I'm, I'm very lightly... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I was really into Shakespeare, so that there's not a whole lot of new Shakespeare coming uh, out. Okay. So. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> but just a complete lie because there's a ton of new Shakespeare coming out, uh, but not from the author. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Whoever the author was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. Uh, Shakespeare conspiracy. Right, right. Yeah. Like uh, <laughs> completely changing gears and there's no good way to transition into it. What is the role of spirituality or religion in your life? Hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> man, it's significant, but it is significant in a way that is not going to be, uh, I, I don't know how to phrase this. I, I don't know that I believe in anything supernatural all that much. Um, I, you know, uh, have read a lot of spiritual literature. Mm -hmm. I read the Bhagavad Gita. I've read uh, a handful of sutras, uh, a handful of, uh, uh, a little bit of stuff from the poly canon, uh, uh, you know, kind of basic precepts of, um, uh, Mahayana Buddhism. I, uh, there's a lot of, uh, of Eastern philosophy that is very appealing to me and sure. not as, I don't know as much relatively about the Abrahamic religions. Okay. Um, uh, I would say that I, I'm really attracted to spirituality, but I don't fully believe it. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's more like there is a spiritual side of just living. There's a spiritual side of, uh, of just kind of like the qualitative aspect of life, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's like, there is just something about this. There's just some core to this that is just very odd and very hard to describe in a way that sounds like, oh yeah, that's what life's all about. You know, that's, mm-hmm. we've got it figured out. It's mm-hmm. this and this and this and it's neurons. And it's, a, and it's, I don't think I, what I'm describing as a soul. I think it's just a really cool aspect of a very complicated system, which is the human, yeah, the human system, you know? So, uh, do you know, uh, Alan Moore, the comic book yeah, yeah, yeah. guy? Um, there it is. <laughs> well, yeah, nice. Watchmen. Cool. Uh, that's not mine. I need to return it to Jimmy Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let him know. Um, <laughs> uh, the, uh, he has a thing where he talks about like, 
how he was kind of transitioned to be a magician, you know, mm. and that he was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, like his spirituality became literal mm. magic and like yeah, performing yeah. ceremonies. And I, I'm not that deep, but <laughs> I think there is, I see like at my best and at my most spiritual, I look at my r- routines as rituals, you mm-hmm. know, and at my most spiritual, I look at my, you know, like, uh, my art as magic, you yeah. know, where it's like, this is, there's something about this that is just, a, like just explaining it in like super um sciency or super like logical positivist style mm-hmm. manner just doesn't seem to describe what's actually happening so yeah. that that's a super long-winded answer yeah. for what i think about no and that's that's exactly the kinds of answers i like hearing by asking that question cool <laughs> um how how did you come to be drawn to eastern philosophies because obviously it's pretty uncommon in Mm. the bible belt where we are (laughs) yeah yeah uh well i lived in california for a while okay so um i think that california was probably just as if not more like influential in my like you know soft preteen brain (laughs) you know um (laughs) i uh uh I don't know. There was a, a meditation club, if you can call it that, sure. uh, a meditation group in high school mm. and um, youth group, <laughs> youth group. Yeah, <laughs> but Hip, yeah but for 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 Eastern philosophies, I guess. Yeah, for, for well-to-do white art kids, right. <laughs> like <laughs> uh, who were gonna be doing. Yeah, they're little hippie rituals, uh, you know. Uh, but no, I mean it was very sounds California enough. It's extremely California. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, incense and everything, you know. Uh, but it was great, and I uh, was really into that. And uh, um, yeah, I think that's kind of just I took yeah. it from there and uh, did a little yoga in college and. Yeah. The yoga teacher was very, very much <laughs> not the uh, kind of like practical yoga instructor right. that you kind of see like in most places. She was super into like all of the uh, like the tantric uh, yeah, aspects yeah. of yoga and stuff that I wouldn't even bother trying to describe because I don't know anything about. And I haven't yeah, yeah. <laughs> maintained an interest in to such a degree as she did, but uh, I think all of, you know, teachers like that were really the, the ones that sowed those seeds. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, back to the evergreen questions. Uh, what is your definition of God? Uh, oh, I'm assuming, I mean, the, the I guess the, op, the uh, definition I operate with is just, you know, the thing or things or, uh, entity that created the universe. You know, mm-hmm. I think that would be the most godlike thing. I don't think anything that doesn't meet that definition would really, anyone would mm-hmm. be like, yeah, that's God. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, um, yeah. So, uh, I think, you know, people talk about, oh, the universe that we exist in is God. And I don't know if that does, just doesn't feel super satisfying to me <laughs> as an answer. It's like, well, 
God implies some degree of intent to me, you know, mm. like that there's some kind of intention or uh, design, you know. Mm. So, uh, but, you know, whatever works for other people, sure, you sure. know, like it's not a concept that I dwell on a whole lot in my day to day mm. life. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say if I if there is a God, I would only be like, yes, I acknowledge you as God if it <laughs> in some way created the universe sure um i guess the, the embedded within that question is god yes no <laughs> hmm. mm, who knows i huh? yeah i'd say, say it's probably just as likely that this is some kind of really advanced computer simulation i, I who knows mm-hmm. like i don't uh, like I think there's a pretty strong acknowledgement even in scientific communities that you get a certain point back in time. It's like, yeah, <laughs> there's no, yeah, there's yeah. no way to know how, yeah, yeah. how anything, what happened before this point, you know, mm-hmm. it's just Im- impossible to figure out. So, um, or maybe it's not impossible. It's it. I'm, I'm talking about this. Like I know what I'm talking about. And I don't, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, as far as I, 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 there's got to be, you know, a limit to human understanding. I truly believe in a limit to human understanding. Mm-hmm. And I think at some point, the threshold that you're looking for that's going to say, yes, there is God. No, there is no yeah. God bli- lies beyond that threshold. Sure. So. <laughs> um, is free will an illusion? Um, at least a little bit for sure. I think, <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, free will – I think we are much more influenced by our material world and our the the uh, our social happenings than we like to admit mm-hmm. or that we uh, can even at some times actually comprehend. Um, you know, I was thinking about – this is a thing I think a lot about. Not – the free will questions – good and it's an an important question i think everyone should have an opinion on it but Mm -hmm. more specifically like why do we do some of the things that we do you know like why do we put up a pine tree you know and during christmas why pine tree you know everyone does it Mm -hmm. like you never walk in and see someone with a maple tree sure sure you know like it's but it's a pine tree uh it's like you know i think it's easy to say you know like free will exists very much in do we get a tree for christmas those are decisions people make mm-hmm. what tree we get is not a, de- a decision yeah, yeah, people yeah. make you know <laughs> that's i think where you know we see our choices as being logical and autonomous but there's a layer to it that's not you mm-hmm. know there's a layer to it that's automatic and i think it's very cultural and i think mm-hmm. it's very material you know and i think uh we only make so many kinds of decisions and yeah. a lot of the decisions that are made without our conscious like involvement uh ha- have a pretty significant impact as well so mm-hmm. yeah uh so kind of we kind of have free will yeah yeah <laughs> i like that <laughs> um how do you determine what good behavior is oh okay um, i acknowledge that i ask very hard questions yeah. not expecting people to know the answers yeah i <laughs> I had no idea where we're going to go down this rabbit hole. Sorry. <laughs> I'm glad I'm, I love this stuff. Um, how do we determine what good behavior is? So are you, I guess for clarification, are you saying good behavior, like 
like moral. So this is a question uh, yeah, yeah. of ethics and yeah, morality. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's not just like obedience or uh, sure, sure. or like politeness because you could say you know someone is very polite and they're well right yeah no i i asked the question for uh some people who have uh a very grounded like structural religious understanding are very clear in what that answer is to where the morality comes from but there's a lot of people that i ask the question who don't have that same sort of structural religion thing to point that finger and so okay where the morality comes from is an Um, interesting question to ask okay yeah (laughs) yeah 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 i'm 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 game um (laughs) um okay so I am not a I don't believe in a universal morality mm. insofar as I don't believe that morality is unchanging. Uh mm. I think that morality I mean I think it's it's not even an opinion. I I think it's observable that morality and moral standards change from in history, you know, the mm-hmm. the moral standards of of even you know colonial america are not the same as yeah. today and you go even further back the morality of ancient greece is very <laughs> much not like yeah. what we have today um those kids are fine huh those kids are fine, those kids are fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh god um <laughs> yeah i uh i think uh I think our morality uh, right now, uh, if we're talking about all you can do right now is kind of say morality is um, has something to do with uh, generosity. I think that there's a clear tie to that, that there is Mm. uh, morality exists in how people interact with each other. Mm hmm. Uh, I don't think morality, I think there is a morality towards the self, but you can't have, you can't talk about morality towards the self uh, without acknowledging that it's, it stems, it originates from an interaction mm-hmm. with other people. Yeah. Um, and I think the, that uh, if there is to be something that is universal about morality, it has to do with, uh, um, kind of a general like looking at an exchange between two people say this mm-hmm. person has is going to interact or we're going to trade in some yeah. way right where i'm going to give you more value than i'm getting back and that's intentional yeah so there's an intent there as well cool. <laughs> um i think that that's the foundational morality but i don't know that's a hard question so yeah no i think you laid that out in a very like good clear way well, in, good it didn't in, seem in ways clear that are more <laughs> in a ways in ways that are more specific than a, a lot of descriptions that i've heard <laughs> cool um oh i'm sure you'll enjoy this one uh how do you live with or against the selfishness that pervades american culture mm. <laughs> i'd not well <laughs> right. i'd oh um I have a rough time with it. I don't know. It's uh, I uh, am in a constant state of 
just being way more angry than I wish I was. <laughs> um, uh, it's, I don't know. You combat it with empathy, obviously, you know, I mm-hmm. think that's how you deal with it. You learn to understand that, uh, even the people that you most hate in the world operate in a generally logical way, you know, or at least in a way that is, I guess, let me put it this way. You know, you take someone who I would say I am morally at odds with, or someone who I would consider to be a poor person. You'd point a finger to and say, this is a selfish person, or this Mm -hmm. is a person that's causing problems in American culture. And like, and people are going to disagree with me on this all over the place, <laughs> but like Jeff Bezos would be someone I would point to as sure. a figure like that. Uh, and I'm sure um, uh, I'm not going to go to Donald Trump just yet, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Jeff Bezos is who I'm going to start with. Uh, like, um, you know, I can extend a degree of empathy even to someone like him uh, who. I just feel like is running a business that is terribly exploitative and sure. puts workers in just really unacceptable conditions yeah. uh, and has more money than he needs to have yeah. or than anyone needs to have. <laughs> yeah. Or that uh, that we can even fathom a person having. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> um, And, uh, you know, but I know that there is a very basic human component that is saying, you know, like, what is best for me in this mm-hmm. situation? And that is a hard thing to criticize in certain ways. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the actions that Amazon or any of these huge corporations take make a make sense for the people that are making them. It's not just purely malicious, yeah. you know, it is it, what it really is, is uh, negligent. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's saying this benefits me, but the costs I'm not concerned with, you know, yeah. the costs that that don't impact me. And it's not – I don't I, – I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly <laughs> am against the idea that it's greed, that it's a personal greed. I think – I think now I think that our uh, economic – the economic systems in play right now – very much reward this type of thinking. Like if you already think this way, you're more likely to succeed. That's what Mm. I think. But I don't think that's the same thing as like our only, or that, you know, if we get rid of the greedy people, then we solve the problem. Sure. That the problem is that that type of thinking is rewarded. How do we stop rewarding that? That's Mm -hmm. the question in my mind. Yeah. Thank you for bringing up the thing that I've, I've talked about a lot of times on this podcast and you said it said my thoughts out loud without me telling you them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then I should switch the order of those. So I will. Um, Do you believe that humans are evil by nature? No, (laughs) no, not at all. I, I think the only thing that you once again could call I think it's like a butterfly effect type thing. It's like mm. you could call it the root of evil, but it's not – it's a hard thing to criticize. It's I think everyone has this, you know, this self-preservation mechanism, mm-hmm. you know, this like like this willingness to compromise certain things if you know it's going – it's just like, well, 
why would I not do this? You know, yeah. to not do X or Y thing would be to spite myself, you know? Yeah. And we're all aware of that. It's just like this little thing. It's like, well, I've got to do what's best for me, you mm-hmm. know? And oftentimes it's not just what's best for me, you know? Yeah. A lot of times you have kids and yeah. what's best for you is also what's best for your kids, you know? Mm-hmm. And what's best for you is also what's best for, you know, your community or the people that you're working with or – um you can – there's a billion ways to justify and rationalize that kind of thing and uh, uh, that's uh, – the unfortunate thing is I think that's where evil comes from, mm-hmm. you know? It's like like not to get too extremely controversial out of nowhere but, you know, we're getting ready to be in a war right now mm-hmm. and like, um, you know, I'll, it's going to be very – you're going to see a whole lot of like – you've got to do what's best for your country, you know? Mm. That's that same mechanism in play, in my yeah. mind, at least. It's like, well, you know, it's the people dying on the other side are people too, you know? There's not really anything inherently... I don't know... I don't know most of these people just as well as I don't know the people that are getting ready to go, you know, to be killed on the other side, yeah. you know? And it's like... It's it's a it's a small compromise in the brain that says, well, this is probably best for me, you yeah. know, and that's the, where I think uh, evil exists. But I know I do mm-hmm. not think people are default evil. No. Yeah. Um. What are you optimistic optimistic about for our future? Hmm. God, I'm not a very optimistic person. <laughs> Which is kind of one reason why I, I bring up the question because I have all of these like dark questions. So yeah. I, I try to break it up at, at the end a little bit. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I like that. Um, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic in the sense that um, uh, there are there is an energy that comes out of chaos of this like super tumultuous chaotic time uh, that uh, the energy gets as extreme as the circumstances now this is a humongous caveat to that optimism is that that energy can be kind of directed in any which way, Mm -hmm. you know, but you know, it's not as though we stay as placated, uh, as tensions ramp up, you know, due to whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. economic strife, uh, climate strife, uh, uh, problems with immigration, any number of things. Mm -hmm. Um, like as those things get more and more severe, people's engagement with these things gets more and more energetic. There's more and more focus and and visibility with these issues. Like, I think we're the most politically, socially conscious generation in a very long time. Yeah. Um, and that can be an extremely good thing. And that's the energy required to fix the problems. If it does. (laughs) If. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, you more um what makes you content um i'm generally pretty content person these days i as i'm sure no one on facebook 
seems to <laughs> think that that would be the case. But no, I, I am. I'm pretty content. I, I, you know, the, I like the new Pokemon game. It's really fun. <laughs> um, I, uh, I love teaching. I mean, uh, real quick, sword yeah. or shield, sword and shield, sword or shield. Oh, shield. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sword shields what I'm playing. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm working on my doubles team right now. <laughs> so, um, so I'm, I've got to get all those, uh, perfect IV and EV <laughs> trained Pokemon. Cause I'm, Oh, you're, you're in that level of, of Pokemon. Yeah. I'm that level of extremely nerdy. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't yeah. even play Pokemon. I just have like a base level of nerd cred. I need to keep up. And so I have to know about these things. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that honestly, that's more what I am too. I, <laughs> You know, there I suck at I'm like straight up <laughs> I suck at competitive <laughs> competitive Pokemon, but it's fun. So right. and and it makes me content. Going yeah. back full circle to the question. Um but sorry, teaching. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah teaching is great. I, I love teaching. Um it's one of the few jobs a person can have where it's like, oh yeah, there there's no moral ambiguity to this at all. I mean, mm. I guess maybe if you wanted to get really under the microscope and like, well, what's the relationships of like of you know the the teacher to student uh, you know power structure like there the, there might be a, a a thing to be questioned as far as the content of the music that we are teaching. Sure. I, I once taught a girl that was a little too young. And she wanted to sing Bad Guy by Billie Eilish. And okay. I, I didn't quite feel comfortable about that, especially not with her dad in the room. That's super, super valid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I definitely agree with that. I haven't had that many with that, especially with piano. Yeah, yeah uh, that's, that's a little different. <laughs> yeah, there's very few. Although uh, there have been a couple of kids that are like, I want to learn, you know, this triple X Tentacion song. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? This is what you want to learn on piano? I mean, yeah. Cool. I mean, honestly, it's just like, all right, we're going to find, try to find a version that we can listen to and yeah. then we'll learn it. But, um, but no, I completely agree. Like there's, there is some content, uh, to, uh, some songs that I wouldn't feel comfortable doing and haven't felt comfortable doing. Uh, but that's, um, that's the, the ex far, the exception. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, those things make me content. Most things make me content. I'm generally pretty content. Yeah. So, um, okay. When will you be satisfied <laughs> with music or just in general? In general. Hmm. I don't know. I think I still am fishing for the project that I will be truly happy with. Mm. I've had a lot of good projects and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to like, just gloss over the things I have been able to put out, but I generally have a very short half-life for how long I want to listen to my own music. Mm -hmm. um, it generally reaches a point pretty quickly. I'm like, yeah, I'm, there's nothing I want. <laughs> I just want to get away from it. And right, that's, right. And that's, the, that's like the curse of the musician is like, you can't not see the process in your music and mm. that other people are free from, you know, when people hear it, they just hear the song, but you hear the hours in the studio or yeah. writing it or the, the, the how you disagree with that lyric or that note exactly now. yes <laughs> but it, it, at the time it was what you wanted now it's like what the fuck was i thinking yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah and I, and i'm not expecting to make something where i will always be happy with it, but mm. i want to make something i still want to get to a point where i'm like this uh 
this is an accomplishment I can die happy with, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm not, I don't think I'm quite there yet. Yeah. Um, here's a question that Mac told me to put into the podcast. Okay. What's the point? What's the point? <laughs> Damn, Mac. <laughs> I thought you were saving the happy ones for the end. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when will you be satisfied? And what's the point are a little bit interlinked. So okay. that's, that's where the, <laughs> um, What's the point? <laughs> I mean, does there have to be a point? I guess is my answer. Like, yeah, I, I think there's a certain freedom in like, I, doesn't that feel like kind of a shackles? Like, oh, here's the point. This is the point for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh shit. Like now, like there's now everything I do is either getting me closer to the point or further away. <laughs> sure. How, who wants to live like that? Right. You know, I, there, I think I would rather there not be a point. That's fine. Yeah. I like that answer a lot. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, yeah. What advice do you have for people in general? Uh, my advice right now is just, there's going to be a lot of, uh, uh, things are going to get crazier and not less crazy, uh, in the world, broadly speaking. And now is the time more than ever decide what it is that you believe in. Like, please decide what it is that you believe in, <laughs> like, and don't compromise those things. Yeah. It, cause I, I just hate seeing such a level of cowardice and a level of um just uh negligence for other people that i don't think would exist if people took the time to think about these things and took it to the time to like really say this is this is what is right this is what is wrong it doesn't have to be universal like i said i don't mm-hmm. really believe in that but this is contextually mm-hmm. what need that what is the correct thing and I hope people, uh, I hope people, uh, uh, decide these things that needed to be decided. Yeah. So last one, Mm -hmm. cake or pie, cake or pie. Yes. Shit. Um, (laughs) you really are saving a lot of the hard. Uh, Oh God, I gotta go pie. Pie is just better in general. There are (laughs) lots of good cakes, but lemon meringue <laughs> Does, oh just is cheesecake a cake really it's a it's I, a pie I usually right have that be a corollary to cake or pie so um so you're I'm, just gonna I'm, leave me in suspense yeah. i'm i'm very strongly that cheesecake is pie it yeah. has pie crust the consistency yeah. of it is pie like anyways cake usually has like the the like the cloudy crumbly yeah air bubbles thing right yeah and cakes like like it's you don't ice a cheesecake that yeah. would be disgusting yeah <laughs> yeah you don't ice a cheesecake maybe yeah yeah it's a pie <laughs> i'm 100 percent decided on this it's yeah <laughs> yeah uh cool yeah pie pie is way better dylan thank you for doing this with me thank you santiago i had a blast <laughs> where can we find you and your things if you want them to i guess uh <laughs> I have Facebook. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. Uh, just the the market. The, the <laughs> uh, 
the store. <laughs> the Mitch Hedberg answer. You yeah. can find me at the store. Uh, no, I, I don't have a lot of social media presence, but you can, uh, if you look for me, you can find me. So, yeah. And there, there may be music in the future coming from this person. Yes, there eventually. probably will be yeah. at some point. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, thank you, uh, for coming all the way out here. Cause yeah, it's <laughs> my pleasure. Yeah. It's been fun. Um, so yeah, since the, the plugs usually go a little differently rhythmically so i'll just go i'm santiago ramones dylan walling you can find everything that i do on my website santiago ramones.com i make music there's also all of the power cycle stuff that is blowing up so power cycle is a can't even call it a band we are a trio of experimental electronic composers um we have an album coming out on February 3rd, which is also the electric pizza concert that is at the Jazz Lab at 7.30. Yes, that's a Monday. I'm sorry, but I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, we also, You can also pre-order that album on the 10th of January. Uh, it's called Too Many Damn Cables. Because we make electronic music and there's it. just too many. It's damn a cables. seriously accurate description yeah. of that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and the single will be coming out January 17th, which will be streaming on all of the places. Um, so, yeah, check it out. Follow our social media at Power Cycle Music where you will be seeing videos of strange things punching you in the face. Um, <laughs> just it's, it's videos of cables, but you wouldn't think it is. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'll try and be posting that every day. So uh, power cycle stuff, big things happening, or you can go to infinitonemusic.com slash power cycle. And all of the other, and that'll give you just everything, all of the power cycle stuff. So, uh, do I have anything else to throw on that? Yeah, um, I think in May there's going to be another electric pizza concert where uh, the members of Power Cycle and uh, some other people will have commissioned pieces that will be played by instrumentalists from the UCO School of Music. So oh, that'll nice. be some fun stuff too. Big stuff happening. Every musician is required to say big stuff coming soon. Big so. stuff coming soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now I actually have the stuff to say it. So Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. I also failed to mention that Too Many Damn Cables is an entirely improvised album of music. We did not, like, plan any of those pieces. There's just recordings of music that came out of our rehearsals in between us rehearsing actual things of music for concerts. We just noodled around in between things. And two albums came out of it. This is the first of those. That's dope. Yeah. It's a really cool idea. <sighs> That's one of the longer plugs I've had. So... I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong. Ooh. <laughs>